Welcome to the Wild Remedies Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Francora, and I'm here to bring you captivating stories from some of the most fascinating people I've connected with on my own journey of physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Welcome again to the Wild Remedies Podcast, everyone. Today we are chatting with Lauren Walsh, and she is the founder and visionary of the Global Sisterhood. The Global Sisterhood is a transformational feminine leadership school and worldwide movement of women's circles. Global Sisterhood has trained thousands of women in the art of feminine leadership, sacred stewardship, and the facilitation of courageous spaces that transform participants' lives. This was a really cool conversation. Um, Oh my gosh, Lauren is just such a beautiful feminine leader. And she has been through so much in her life already and such fascinating experiences from, you know, childhood trauma to finding herself in the Amazon jungle, (laughs) going through the seven-year period of what she calls her nun phase. Um, She shares some things on this podcast that she's never shared with anyone before. So I'm so honored. And yeah, we talk about feminine leadership. We talk about, you know, the wounds that women are going through and healing from, you know, the many, many generations of patriarchy and yeah, just why women in circle and women in communion is just so healing for us. Um. So yeah, there's just, there's a lot of wisdom in this episode and it's just very, I don't know, for me, it was just like a very soothing conversation. (laughs) Lauren's energy is just so beautiful. So I'm just going to leave it at that and let's just dive into this episode and meet Lauren. Okay. So I quickly just want to tell you guys about the epic holiday sale we have going on for the next few weeks. If you've been on the fence about trying our magic lattes, now is the time to jump on it because they are 20% off for a limited time. Just imagine yourself cozied up by the fire with a magical latte with benefits. We have three delicious flavors that help boost your immune system, nourish your skin from within, and reduce stress and help you sleep. And our latte blends also make the perfect gift for the wellness lover in your life. Our Ritual Box is our best seller. It has all three of the flavors and it has free shipping as always. And of course, it's included in our 20% off sale. So it's like the best deal ever. So do not miss your chance. Go to wildremedyshop.com or to the link in this episode show notes to get this offer today. Lauren, welcome to the Wild Remedies podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. How, how are you? I'm well. I'm getting ready to take a sabbatical. For the, for the winter and it's my first time ever to do something like this and so I'm like feeling I'm feeling the like end of the push and ready to go within so I'm, I'm doing really great I see the light at the end of the tunnel how are oh you I'm great I, I I wish I were taking a sabbatical <laughs> I was literally messaging a team member this morning and I was like I really need a vacation it's been a while it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. What are you What are you planning for the sabbatical? Well, Global Sister has been going for seven years, and it's been such a labor of love and blood, sweat, and tears, and so many things I've learned, so many humiliations and humblings, and um, really like walking a spiritual path with it in a way, like using this. How do you build this feminine inspired business? that lives within our current system of patriarchy, capitalism, all of that. And how do you do so in a way that feels in integrity with my health, my spirit, and also in alignment with my values and where I want to see the world go. And so there's been a lot of trial and error error yeah. with that. And um, I think I've just exhausted myself and I'm ready to uh, really live by my values and go deep, deep, deep in. And so I'm planning on treating my sabbatical like a work day. So from the time I wake up to about three o'clock in the evening, turning off my phone and three o'clock in the afternoon, I guess, not evening. And just like feeling 
and praying and meditating and just following what my body wants. Mm. Oh my gosh. That sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> Maybe the conversation's actually going to go a little bit more in this direction because I find that really interesting. Um, I know for myself, you know, I've had this sort of paradigm shift where I'm also trying to treat business a little bit more as a spiritual journey. It definitely has been, right? Like as entrepreneurs, we have such high highs and such low lows. And I love what you said about like the humiliations and the humblings and all of these things that has definitely come up for me a lot recently. And it is a practice and it can be so difficult for women, like you said, in this like patriarchal um, construct of how businesses are traditionally built. It's, it's tough for us. And I had a call with a spiritual mentor just a couple of days ago and um, because something that I'm, you know, struggling with right now with Wild Remedies. So um, you probably don't know this, but Wild Rem- Remedies is uh, also a product-based business. So I do know create- that. You did? Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we create these wonderful magic lattes and it's so crazy. I don't know if it's Mars retrograde or whatever, but like just things just seem kind of stuck and not moving forward. And she's like, you know, you really just need to let go. And that's really tough when you're running a business, right? Because it's like you have monthly sales goals <laughs> that you need to hit and all of these things. And, you know, how do you bring in those feminine aspects of letting go, just letting things like naturally unfold when you have all of these anxieties about, well, this is what it should look like. And this is traditionally what needs to happen in order for a business to succeed. And that can be really challenging. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it can. I feel like women entrepreneurs who are soul-based in terms of like really feeling compassionate for what's taking place in the world and having the type of empathy that wants to bridge the divide, that has also the awareness to see the illusions of our time, the way that things are distorted, but also recognizing that we have the power to put ourselves within that matrix, so to speak, and begin to bend it to change around our values. But that's tricky. And I feel like we need time out of the matrix to reconnect, to realign before we re-enter because it's so easy to get lost in the illusions of worthless things worthless things that keep perpetuating worthless results for our planet. And um, how we do this feels like it's pioneer work because it's not like we have this blank slate of a culture and we get to create the values of our society from scratch. Our values are so embedded, so embedded, especially I'm speaking about Western values, so embedded in this patriarchal concept, and I can go into this, of God being a man above, separate from nature, way above. The feminine is less than. The feminine, in, as a result, was subjugated. Mother, Mother Earth dominated, right? How has this shaped our mentality? If we believe that God is a man and only a man and God isn't in us or around us, but God is above us and we have to somehow aspire to be like God, we're going to build empires at the expense of everyone else. We're going to build empires and extract from nature because nature isn't alive. She isn't our mother. She's a resource to help us become like this male God or make it to this place in heaven where we can have all the wives and whatever the goals are, you know? But this this illusion that began with the Adam and Eve creation story, which began um, with a group of priests called the Deuteronomists, this has shaped our psyches because how we view creation is how we view our purpose. And so at this point, the work we're doing as feminine entrepreneurs, in my mind, especially soul-led ones, is not just to build a business and put more women on top in a system that is male dominated. Yes, that's part of it, but it's to actually rewrite the script and the narrative of what we value as a society. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really potent. Oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> actually, 
why don't we start by just kind of rewinding everything a little bit? And I would love to hear like your origin story and, you know, how you founded the Global Sisterhood, why all of those things. Let's let's take it back from the beginning. Okay. So, well, on the theme of God, I grew up super, super in love with God. Like, I felt God in nature. I felt God when I was holding my grandmother's rosary. She had passed, and I would hold this rosary, and I could feel her spirit, and I could feel this motherly presence, and loved. I loved Catholic churches. I was raised Catholic. I used to love walking to this church next door to my house, like a few blocks away, when nobody was there, and I would sneak in to where this altar of Mary was, where all the candles were. And I had no context of what happened in this place. I just was like this little creature that felt it, felt the divine mother, felt the moon, used to speak to plants. Um, And at the same time that this was happening, there was a lot of tumultuous, traumatic disharmony in my family. Um, There was very bad addiction and abuse that was taking place uh, with one member of my family. And as a little tiny creature, (laughs) my mom protecting me and my older siblings protecting me, I could feel the energy. I could feel the vibration of the pain and it would enter into my dreams and I would have these horrid nightmares. And I felt super alone and isolated and scared because my family was just in like a trauma response for years trying to get by. And my, I think I probably disassociated quite a bit from that, but my refuge was God, goddess, creator. And so I very willingly went to church. By the time I really started listening in church, I was just offended. (laughs) I was so deeply distraught that I was sitting in the pews listening to this person speak and then seeing all of these kids and their parents in this school that I went to knowing how much of a bully and how like there was so much hypocrisy that I could see even at 12 in the way people were acting and the the pretending, the lack of authentic connection. And then these words that felt so judgmental, like a God that I did not have any experience with. And I remember when I was 12 years old, I I had a flair for the dramatics and I stood up and I said, this is not my God. And I stormed out. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And then I started exploring like, Buddhism lightly, like I couldn't fully understand it, but I just liked the idea of not being Christian. And then I um, encountered a woman who practiced Wicca. And I was like, oh, there you mean there's like a mother God? There's like, there's a goddess? You know, I'd always known of Mother Mary who gave birth to Jesus and I had this connection there, but the idea of a goddess just completely awakened my spirit. And the concept of living threefold. So everything you do comes back to you threefold. So the idea of karma kind of was introduced to me. And that really resonated. And so I basically pretended to be Wiccan. I didn't practice. I was still like a kid, but I created like a little goddess altar and I would call it myself a witch. And people would tell me I was going to hell. I grew up in the South and I became this like rebel. So while I was doing this on my spiritual journey, and like really reaching out for spirit and wanting answers about the pain that I felt, there was this other aspect of me that I think very intentionally wanted to understand that pain that I always felt but didn't understand. And so I went looking for it. So at 13, I started drinking, I started drugging, and it ended up leading me to experiencing rape as a virgin. And that changed the course of my life forever. At that point, it was like the darkness gripped me and my spirit gave in to the darkness. And so from 13 to 21, I was practically possessed. 
so, so lost. And even in all of the destruction and all of the self-sabotage and all of the pain that I, I created for myself in many ways, I still, when I read back on my journals, I was still seeking this, this power that I knew was there. And there was this level of awareness. Like, I, there was this awareness. I knew what I was doing. I was, I was looking for education. I wanted to feel the pain. I wanted to know what was this that caused my dad to do this and feel this way? Like, what was happening? So on this really wise but, like, not necessarily cognitive level, I went and I inflicted pain on myself. And in my darkest hour, reaching out for support and for a miracle, a miracle came. I had only what can be called a divine intervention in my life. And this divine intervention plopped me, like picked me up by the head and just dropped me in the Amazon rainforest where I just was spinning around in a circle with these beautiful indigenous peoples. And that's where I was introduced to a different type of ritual, a different type of ceremony, and also the sacramental use of plants and plant medicine. And when I say sacramental use, I mean that. I had taken psychedelics. I had done all of those things. But the ritual and the spirituality and the, the, the reverence and almost seriousness of what they knew they were doing using these plant medicines um, totally opened my eyes to the fragmented, shattered aspects of self and these illusions of who I was and who I wasn't that I was so clinging to. And I began to go through a massive letting go, a massive death, and I entered into what I call my nun phase. My nun phase was seven years long. I move in seven-year cycles. It's very real for me. And I was preparing for these seven years, like really studying, studying with various teachers, multiple trips to the Amazon, um, living and breathing and uh, embodying prayer. And prayer, I will say, is what saved my life. And so this word prayer I want to I want to like just put a little flag on it that it's it has this context of like patriarchal religions and that's not the prayer that saved my life though there were elements of and I can I can get into the nuance of this here in a minute I'll just flag that there's an importance here about prayer and health and healing but after 7 years I had an encounter with a deep shadow the shadow that led me into that darkness. I literally believe it was an entity, a spirit. And through the more shamanic work I was doing, I had built up strength and capacity to connect with my guides, to actually start being of support to people. I was helping teenagers heal. I was helping women heal. I was just always in service work, completely free. I didn't know I could get paid for it, but everybody would call me and I would show up and I loved doing that because what happened is I, I learned how to just open my vessel and begin to just be a channel. And that was so interesting to me. And that when I would channel something in humble service to someone else, the words that would come out of my mouth were never just for them. They were always for me. And so I began to heal in service work as well. So I gained up this strength and maybe like karmic credit. I don't know. And that kind of opened the portal for me to have like a big reconciliation, illumination of a looming presence that always made me feel like I was bad. That always, even in all this time that I was doing all this work for other peoples, I had this feeling that I wasn't good enough, that I was somehow wrong, and I felt this deep shame. And when I went back to the Amazon this time for six months, I encountered this shadow. And one of my teachers essentially gave me an exorcism and it saved my life. Mm. It really saved my life. And after that, some new life, some new joy, pleasure, lightness, peace of being began to reign in my life. And I had 
the desire to come out of my shell, to come out of this like nun phase. And I, I remember like this song, I'm coming out. I want the world to know. And that song was like in my head all the time. And I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like leave my nun cave and I'm going to do something in the world. And that's when I even, like, I mean, I don't know pop songs or cult pop culture from that seven years. I know nothing. Like my friends have this running joke. Like they're like, you teach me spiritual things and we'll teach you like pop culture. <laughs> and and I learned what YOLO was like a year ago. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, it was in that coming out that I started actually realizing, well, maybe I could do the work I do for women as a business. And I started leading women's circles and um, had never actually heard of a woman's circle. This was like before they were prolific. They're like everywhere now. But back in the day, the only circles I knew were literally being in circle with indigenous peoples. And I started leading women's circles and I was like, whoa, there's something here. And I just kind of like intuitively did it. Um, and then one day I was leading, I got asked to lead a workshop um, for women and I put us all in a circle and I didn't really prepare. I just wanted to like acknowledge something because as I was coming back out in the world and realizing I was starting to interact with women again, that I had all this wounding from sisterhood and uh, from being bullied, from being called a witch, from being called weird, from betrayals, et cetera. And so even though I was around like spiritual circles, there was this like big looming elephant in the room of us comparing ourselves to each other and, and, and feeling unsafe with each other essentially. So I was really curious about that. So I decided to just like be vulnerable and I put, I don't know, maybe it was like 60 women in a circle and I, and I raised my hand and I said, my name's Lauren Walsh and I have judged you and I have competed with you and I have judged myself and I've probably manipulated and betrayed, and I'm really sorry. And that began a process a process of us taking a pledge together, a pledge to really be in sisterhood. And it just so happens that that pledge it was the seed that created Global Sisterhood. And six months later, Global Sisterhood had its first global event uh, where we created a campaign video and we called out to women all over the world to gather and essentially do that same thing. And this is in 2016, before the Me Too movement, before all these modern new social movements. So it was just like, right. Like it was like, a, it was just like all of the trauma was just boiling to the surface. And so women were like, yeah, we need this. And so it kind of took fire. And we had 650 women circles in 65 countries on our first launch and all synchronized at the doing the same meditations the same rituals and the call was really for us to rise together take off our masks get real so that we could become the type of leaders that support each other and it's been seven years since then and I could go into what Global Sisterhood is, but really we just we just train women in sacred facilitation, sisterhood, um, unlearning patriarchal wounding. And like what I was saying about the values that the system has embedded in us, it's internalized within women as well. And so we help women extract those belief systems so that they can live as clear channels, creating a new way in sisterhood together. Mm. Oh my gosh. That was so beautiful and so well said. And I love the way that you explain some of your experiences because, you know, I, I see that in myself as well, but the way that you explain it is just so much deeper and richer, um, bringing it to, to the spirit because I feel a lot of times when we're younger, because this all started like, you, you were quite young when you started going through these transformations, but you you have this understanding of being connected to spirit so the way like the way that you process this i think is absolutely beautiful especially from such a young age mm. it's just wow what an amazing journey <laughs> thank you so beautiful it's um, been full of pain and beauty yeah and the beauty has made up for most of the pain. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm a little bit curious about this exorcism that you mentioned. Was this like through plant medicine or what did this look like? So I've never publicly told this story. So I'm not going to tell the full story here. Part of my sabbatical is to consider whether I want to start sharing this maybe in like a book form. Um, You can imagine it's very delicate to share because it's like, I mean, first of all, I've been called a witch many times in my life, and that's not what I'm scared of. But I I feel like this idea, this concept of spirits and entities in other dimensions is not fully accepted yet. And in the ways that it has become accepted is more commonly like our spiritual guides, our angels. But there are others. And I have encountered quite a few. And not everybody, I think, works in that kind of way in terms of their vessel. I believe we're all channels of some sort, some of us through writing, some of us through uh, our, our art, some of us through dance, some of us communicate with spirits and have our whole lives. And there was a spirit that had come to me when I was about four years old and it scared me a lot when I was four years old. He used to like laugh at me and you know also I'm like hearing like modern day psychology in my ear and it's like well it could have been that you were disassociated and you were creating these stories. Yeah it could have been. It could all be not real. Sure. I don't have to like argue that point but the way I healed was treating it as if it was real. So when I went into the Amazon, the the idea of spiritism was very real. That's how these cultures have existed, thinking about spirits, entities, the invisible realms, and that's what shamanism is. It's really learning how to navigate those dimensions for healing and wisdom and insight and also to bring um, like a intelligent guidance through for their cultures and for their survival and for their thrival. And so it was there that I awoke to the idea of, oh my God, I think I've been a medium my whole life, but I didn't know it. And that's when I started having memories of things that happened when I was younger. And I won't go into those details, um, but basically the exorcism was a series of three ceremonies for me um, that were very, very, very strong. Like not just um, sitting in a circle and singing some songs and drinking ayahuasca. There's a very set protocol. Um, And it's not unlike what you would know a Catholic priest to do, but it's very, it's also very different. And, um, it totally, totally, I'm like getting nervous speaking about it. Cause I, like I said, this is probably the most I've said ever publicly, but it, um, took me to places and realms that I hope I never see again. And also at the same time instilled so much faith in God in me, so much faith in God, so much faith because I was rescued legitimately. We summoned and called for the angelic forces of the universe to come and assist me. And they came, they came. And that's all I'll say about that. And that, that way right now. Well, it's absolutely fascinating. And yeah, I hear you on that. I think a lot of times when, you know, especially in, I guess, the new age realm, you know, we do hear a lot about like our spirit guides and angels and all of these things. But I don't know, like, I definitely believe that there are dark forces as well. Um, there's actually a woman that I I know who, you know, she's like, she claims to be a black magic witch which is really interesting. And 
you know, she's not doing anything, you know, quote unquote, evil in her practices. Um, it's really just a different dimension. Like she's just working. It's She calls it like the left hand compared to like the right hand of magic. And for myself, like I've, I've experienced some interesting um, phenomenon. I was waking up for about a, a month or so, noticing these marks on my arms. And it almost looked like the fingerprints and just some, some scratches and, and, and odd things. And I went to see a woman that I see, I don't know, I guess every month or so for Reiki. Um, she's also a medium. And she was like, oh, girl, yeah, no, there's there's something coming to visit you, you know, in in the evening. And she's something energetically about the house that I'm living into. She's like, it's really important that you are saging and clearing that space a lot. And after doing that, it it stopped. Um, but yeah, there's there, there's definitely something out there, and it's it's really fascinating. It's something that I want to learn more about and and study for sure. So one thing that I will say that feels like a piece of earned wisdom is like when we think of like exorcisms or we think of like darkness, we're like, keep the darkness out. And there's this part of us that wants to protect ourselves from the darkness. And that's an important aspect. But what gets really interesting is how do you heal the darkness? Not just cast it out through having to use all this energy to create like super strong force field of energy around you, but how do you actually begin to illuminate that darkness? And through my experience, I had some pretty profound realizations that evil, we speak about evil, right? That evil only becomes evil through so much pain. In the middle of that like evil creature or person or like think about like people doing evil things right now in the world. Putin is an example. Underneath all of that is a little boy who was hurt and then re-hurt and then re-hurt and then re-hurt and then re-hurt until they become so distorted that they enjoy hurting. They enjoy power. They, they get taken, right? And so we do this to people in our criminal systems. We're like these little kids that grow up without parents because their parents are not okay because their parents have been wounded, generations of wounding, and then we make them bad. Like as little kids, we have empathy for them, but then as soon as they become adults and they're addicted to heroin or whatever, we shame them, we lock them in jail. Like what happens to those people with rejection time and time again? They turn at times. They change. I met this sex trafficker. <laughs> that sounds, we're going really dark here, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I met a reformed sex trafficker at uh, the Commission of the Status of Women in, at the UN. And I went to this because I was like, oh my God, they're going to have a reformed sex trafficker speak. Oh my God. Like, holy. Like, that's like the most evil thing I can think of, right? And I went there and I was in this room of like 200 just like fuming feminists just like ready to hate him. And I got it. I was like, yeah, like, ugh. And I heard him speak and I heard his story and my heart wept for him. He was a little boy that was neglected that got roped up by men who bought him McDonald's and showed him a bit of kindness and taught him what it was to be a man and a man and what they were teaching him was to treat women this way. And this poor kid, like a kid, learned to do these things. And then he was wrapped up in these dangerous men. And then when he was like 18, he woke up and was like, what am I doing? And he prayed to Jesus for forgiveness and went and turned himself in. And now he's been an informant. And I was just like, how can you not have compassion for that story? And the thing that he did, the things that he did were atrocious. But it just shows like that without love and without opportunity to really know ourselves and heal, we can all become that way. And so this like divide in culture really lights me up because it's like we're in this like cancel culture and we're in 
so much division, but it's like actually if we can just meet each other in the heart, like really in the heart and hear one another's stories, there's no way we can't have some level of empathy and compassion. And so all of this to say is there's an illumination capacity. If there's darkness in our lives, if there's trauma in our lives, it's not just about casting it away or affirming it away. It's about transforming it, transmuting it into compassion and empathy, which brings this sweet nectar of love and freedom and peace. That's absolutely beautiful. And that's challenging work, right? Yeah, it is. Finding that forgiveness, right? And so is this like a big focus in the the circles? Is this what you... I mean, we don't necessarily... I'm not like leading with this story that I just told you. Literally, (laughs) I'm practicing sharing it like right now in this time. It's been something that I haven't been sharing, but we don't joke around in the circles. We go deep. Mm -hmm. We go deep. And like I said in the beginning, like the healing of the patriarchal mindsets. So whether that's comparison or competition, like, you know, women are inherently like that. We were made that way through literally having to compete to survive. Yeah. And so we we just like it activates in our DNA when we're children because our grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers all literally didn't have the capacity to care for themselves or have, have you know, own land or credit cards or vote or have voices. You literally had to have a man to survive. And now we have this generation of like Gen Z and these young kids are like, we're so free. And it's like, no, it's still in you. Yeah. It's still in you. And now with like filters and all these kinds of things, like we're still perpetuating the illusion that a woman has to be something to be desired and loved when actually the work isn't to just necessarily change the narrative. The work is to change that desire for us to compete in that way. Inside. It's an inside job. And then culture – this is where the matrix bends to us. Then then corporations and culture and media, they respond to what we want and who we are. And you already see it happening. Like, have you noticed all the Disney empowered women that are coming out in movies yep. or like all the feminine superheroes? Like it is the time of the feminine and it's because we're changing from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And we're not fucking around, you know? Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, anything you can do, I can do as well. But the trap is we don't want to embody more of that toxic masculinity ourselves and belittle our feminine qualities like empathy, our flow, all these different things to just survive in a a system that doesn't work for anyone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. I've had this conversation a couple of times recently and, you know, everything that women have worked so hard for to get us to the point of what you just said, like anything you can do, I can do as well, has also kind of hindered us in a way because we have to produce like a man in order to keep up in a society that values all of these masculine traits. And so that actually moves us away from the feminine in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's challenging for relationships. It's challenging for us to build businesses in feminine ways. And so it's kind of like a funny paradigm that we're, we're stuck in right now, it feels like. Yeah. And I have so much respect for the women that did all that, you know, like how could we not? Oh my gosh. You have so, so much respect for them. And I believe they did what they must. It's like, you know, in the like grief healing cycle, or when you're in, like, for example, when you're in an abusive relationship, I don't know if anybody listening has ever been in one, but I certainly have. And in order to find the courage to leave, you have to get angry. You know, you have to get rageful. You have to get strong. And that's kind of the phase of what happened with feminism is we had to, we had to be heard. We had to be taken seriously. We had to take no shit. And in doing so, we had to like put on the pants and be like, we're going to war with you. Watch us, watch us happen. Like watch us go to work. Watch us do this job. And we had to sacrifice. We had to sacrifice qualities inside of us. And I think there was also like a disdain at the time a little bit for the feminine, for some of the feminine 
qualities because the main opponents, not main opponents, but some of the loudest voices against uh, women's rights to go and have jobs were women. Like women were opposed to it, you know? And so I think there was like a just even more divide between us at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about feminine leadership a little bit. And what does that look like to you? And how how do you facilitate that for, for women who might be struggling in that area? Well, in relationship to business, I don't teach much of that. I'm a student of that, and maybe I have wisdom I could share as a student. But I'm also a student of learning to live in my feminine and trust my feminine. And the main thing that I see as the most important thing is orienting ourselves to a new creation story, a new way of relating to spirit. So I believe that there's a lot of God trauma out there. I mean, were you raised of any kind of religion? I remember going to Sunday school when I was little. So my dad's side of the family was Catholic and they, they still practice, but it was never pushy. Um, my mom's side of the family was more Christian and they kind of, my parents tried taking us to church, you know, as kids, just, it wasn't something that they were really into. Um, but they thought, oh, well, you know, we should go, right. We should, you know, it's like a should thing. (laughs) And I remember, remember being in Sunday school and just looking around and being like, no, like just no, this is absolutely not for me. I dislike the people around me. Like I just, I got really weird vibes from it. And then, you know, I, I started contemplating the existential as a very, very young child. And the whole concept of when you die and you go to heaven and you're just there forever and ever and ever and ever used to keep me up at night. Like (laughs) I was like, I don't like this. This is terrifying. The thought of infinity just filled me with so much dread as a five-year-old. So yeah, that was, that was my experience. So this is what I'm saying is like, there's all these really deep embedded myths about God and literally our myths create our paradigms. And so even if we weren't raised particularly Christian, or maybe we were, it's interesting to see what of culture, just like being in Western culture, and it's like the way the values are showing us what our like core, core, core relationship with life is, and then how that connects to narratives about God, right? So for instance, like if we are inherently sinful, mm-hmm. right? right, that's a huge one. Yeah, that's a huge one. So if we're inherent, inherently sinful, we have to work really, really hard to become worthy of God's love and God's forgiveness and mercy. And and if that's true, if we're inherently bad, that's going to cause all sorts of distortions in our mind. H- how it distorts every person is unique. Like some might be like, I'm going to prove that I'm capable of building this massive business or I'm going to prove that I'm beautiful and worthy of love because I didn't feel it in my family of origin and they trace back generations and generations and generations and maybe it's actually because nobody ever felt it because the religion they were going to told them they weren't good enough. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I believe that there's this like, you know, Judeo-Christian trauma that is embedded in Western culture. And so I believe the healing of that comes with reclaiming the feminine aspect of God. I do not mean casting out the more masculine aspects of God, the Godfather, the protector, the justice bringer. That aspect of creation saved my life. 
But there's a whole other aspect of the energies of the universe, and it's the feminine. It's, it's, it's the goddess. It's nature. It's that we're all connected, that there is nowhere to go, that affinity's right now. You know, and I do believe that within the idea of God, it's so vast that, that mother, father, God can't be explained with mere words and that there can be paradox within this concept of God. But I believe that really leadership as women is reclaiming the feminine way, right? Reclaiming the feminine essence. And I believe we reclaim the feminine essence with having a relationship with the goddess, and having the goddess show us, like, teach us about the ways of nature, teach us about the, the laws of the universe, and living in accordance with those laws, while also learning what is this godfather concept? What is this, like, high up in the sky concept? And does it have validity? And if so, how do the two coexist? And, like, reframing, like, our orientation and our minds will just shape our values and shape what's important to us. And eventually we stop letting go and we like release attachments to the illusions that don't serve us. And so for me, that's leadership, a person who can be trusted to like really look at the illusions they're holding on to and, and let them go so they can be a clear channel. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful because we receive so much wisdom and power really by being able to listen to our intuition right and learning to trust that I think is so incredibly important because we've been taught not to for so 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 long right yeah hmm. I'd love to talk to you about sisterhood and health and wellness. I read something really interesting on your website about, um, I think it was, I made a note somewhere, but African women having the lowest rates of suicide because of these stronger forms of sisterhood and being in circle more. Um, so maybe let's chat about that a little bit. I think that's really fascinating. I don't even know where that is on my website. Are you sure it's my website? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> like on a blog? Maybe. Okay. I can't so remember exactly where. That quote is new to me. Okay. <laughs> that statistic is not one that I know. Um, but perhaps a woman in the Global Sisterhood who wrote a blog wrote Maybe. about that and I just missed that. Um, so sisterhood and health. One of the things I love most about women's circles is that the practice of taking off our masks and being real and being able to be like, oh, wow, I feel insecure about this and I feel shy about this. Like one, like to practice it in real life, I'm like, oh my God, I went so deep on this podcast. What did I do? So there's like a part of me that's like feeling shy about that. But there's something that's really powerful when we can get really real and and just like see one another for where we are and I feel like we're not trained to do that I think I see so many women who like when they start to cry they're like sorry sorry mm -hmm. and it's like no yeah. I love your tears I love them and for all of us to like sit in circle and share what's real what happens is this idea that we're weird or different or like something odd is happening with us and it's you realize that actually we're all going through the same things, different stories, but we're all going through the same things. We're all trying to find our voice. We're all trying to love ourselves really deeply. We're trying to heal from generational trauma. We're trying to find out who we are. We're trying to live our best lives and we're caught up in trying to balance way too much. Mm -hmm. Like- this is kind of the fundamental condition of women. And so what happens when we're together is we eliminate the shame of, oh, I can't do it all. We eliminate the shame. And shame, I think, is the biggest, heaviest thing to carry that is the hardest on our health. But when we can come together and share the heavy stuff, we heal the shame. And then when we can get genuinely celebrated in our successes, like genuinely lifted up and encouraged, 
it's like a whole nother level of us having the confidence and the the power to go out and do what we want because often we're not afraid of men judging us. We're afraid of women thinking we're full of ourselves. Oh, who am I to take up so much space, you know? And when we can hold each other in the like heavy parts and we can show that vulnerability, then it's so easy for our sisters to celebrate our wins. When we're only showing the good stuff and it's win after win after win after win and we're not really showing the inner workings of it, it's not as easy to be like, I love that woman. It's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Who's that woman? Why does she get all these wonderful, cool things? So it's much easier when we can have the full spectrum, the full range of holding each other when we're suffering and lifting each other when we're up. And even when we're up, if they're still suffering, holding that suffering, you know, there's something that's really transformative about that. (laughs) Yeah, I am so grateful for the sisters in my life. And it didn't always start out that way. You know, when I was younger in high school, high school is just so, (laughs) it's so hard, right? And there's so much competition and there's so much comparing. And, you know, I, I remember thinking and saying to myself often that like, ugh, like, being around men is just so much easier, right? Like I'd rather just be friends with guys, you know, there's less drama, jealousy, all of these things. And I remember having a lot of betrayals by my quote unquote best friends at at the time. And so for me, I, I experienced a lot of rupture in trust with the female relationships when I was younger. And it probably wasn't until, gosh, my mid twenties that I allowed myself. Cause I feel like that actually created a bit of a wall and a barrier. And I had a lot of trust issues with women and that slowly started to chip away over time. And then I found myself allowing myself to be more feminine and connect with women deeper. And now those are the relationships that I value more than anything Mm -hmm. on this planet. Like, you know, I'm in constant contact with these amazing women in my life and I don't know what I would do without them. And on a health and wellness level, for me, it's like, that's critical. And especially because women are just so empathic, right? And as human beings, we just really want to be seen. And women just kind of, we, we, we get each other, right? And so when we can, you know, whether we're sitting in circle or we're just having our girlfriends over for tea or whatever it is, there's so much power and healing there. And as human beings, we need connection. And as women, I feel the most connection that we ever do receive is with other women. Hmm. Yeah. I heard that women thrive on oxytocin and men thrive on adrenaline. Have you heard that? Oh, I haven't. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That so makes when sense. We get yeah. When we get depleted, it's because we haven't had enough connection. When men get depleted, it's they haven't had enough like adrenaline and activity and newness and novelty. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. I've never heard that before. That makes a lot of sense. It doesn't it make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, okay. Now with the Global Sisterhood, women can sign up to start facilitating circles in their own communities, right? Well, we go through trainings first. So we have okay. a training called Sacred Facilitator. It's 13 weeks and it happens um, usually twice a year, but because of my sabbatical, we're going to do it um, in the fall of next year. And it's a training that is really awesome. It's really deep. It's also held by elders. So we have different indigenous teachers, different elders come and teach as well. So it's not just taught by me or Shana. It's taught by many women. Oh, I absolutely love that. And then um, is it like a certain framework that people are taught? Um, yeah, like what what makes yeah, it special? It's, it's the modality that we've developed at Global Sisterhood over the years. Um, we call it sacred facilitation because part of what we teach women to do is like the first part of the training is really, really focusing on their spiritual connection. Not only just the spiritual connection, creating a connection with their guides, and then also um, performing ritual 
a lot on their own, like to understand the transformational power of ritual and like experience it for themselves, as well as we do a lot of extraction. We do a lot of looking at the cultural narratives of the time, like healing religious wounds, healing, that's something we do healing patriarchal wounds, and then also recognizing the places where we've internalized patriarchy and the paradigm of that and how we're perpetuating it, like taking ownership for how we perpetuate it. And then also looking at race um, and the racial divide and how we can um, bridge the gaps between people rather than create more division. And so all of this, these topics, religion, patriarchy, race, they're really important for facilitators to feel really adept in navigating um, such that we're not creating more cancel culture, we're not blaming and shaming, but we can actually hold space for the real conversations and the real healing to take place. And so we definitely focus a lot there in the beginning. So the mystical and the ritual coupled with this like deep work, and then we go into ancestral work just to like really help women understand who they are, what they're working with, um, what are the burdens and the gifts of their ancestral line. And then we move into learning uh, trauma and not trauma informed. It's not like a trauma informed training, but it's a trauma mindful training with some techniques of how to handle triggers and how, what to look out for. We go into that and then we go into circle design and we go into our methodology about circle design. Got it. That's beautiful. Are there any other offerings through the Global Sisterhood that people need to know about? Yeah. Um, well, our podcast, Time of the Feminine, yes. is a good way to just like get to know us. Um, we have really incredible guests on that podcast, women who I deeply admire. And um, then also we have a really cool event happening this beginning of January with actually um, the same teacher who I told saved my life, this teacher who I mentioned today. She's actually, we're doing a fundraiser for her and her work, and she's teaching about mediumship. So that's something that's happening in January. It's called Spiritually Guided. And if you want to know more about it, you can just join our mailing list. You can go to globalsisterhood.org and we'll send an email about it later. Amazing. Oh, that's fascinating. I know I'm definitely feeling inspired to maybe sign up for learning it's, more. It's actually really affordable. It will be a sliding scale from $100 to $300. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Wow. I guess we're pretty much at the end of our time here. Is there anything else that you feel like you'd like to share or ways that people can connect with you? I would just like to share that we're living in a time where we're rewriting narratives and we're as women rediscovering our gifts that have been labeled woo. And I do believe people can like run with the woo woo elements ungrounded for sure. I see it all over, but all of it's quite innocent because we're learning how to awaken our feminine power, which is actually mystical in essence. So our capacity to see, hear, feel, um, and heal and really wield energy. Um, so if anyone's listening to this and can resonate a little bit with my story, just remember that we're all learning this together in these times mm. and that prayer, which is my flag that I wanted to come back to, doesn't have to be religious in any way, but it's the art of speaking to the universe and then meditating is listening. So just pray and listen, pray and listen pray and listen. Mm. I think that's the lesson that I needed for today as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for all of the deep insights that you shared today. I'm deeply, I have a lot of gratitude. It was beautiful. Thank you so much for having me on your beautiful podcast and for your incredible work in the world. I appreciate you too. Oh, thank you so much. And to anybody who's listening, um, you know, if there's anything you heard today that inspired, make sure to reach out, um, you know, give this episode a screenshot and share, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. And we'll meet with you all in the next podcast.
Thanks so much for sharing your time and energy with us today. We'd love to hear your feedback on how our podcast has impacted your life and are also open to suggestions for new and interesting topics. Please leave your comments with a quick review to help us grow this magical community of wellness warriors and lightworkers. Every month, we select one lucky reviewer to win our big magic box containing all three of our beautiful magic lattes. To connect with us further, check us out on Instagram at wild underscore remedies. Thank you again and see you at the next episode.